Carolina podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. You ready to answer some mailbag questions? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. Uh, let's uh, start Let's start with our guy Dave Howard in Round Rock there. Uh, Dave, we appreciate you listening. He said, while I was thrilled by the Texans' win on Sunday, I'm concerned that for the third week in a row, the Texans' defense has given up the lead on the opponent's last drive. What do you think is the issue? Dave, I think you'd complain about a pimple on Halle Berry after a game like that. John knows Dave personally. I haven't heard anybody complaining about anything after that victory. But the fact is, defense played terrible. They were losing players right and left. Uh, They got great pressure on Baker Mayfield, and he avoided. He did a great job, like a shifty veteran would, of getting away from it. And they, they struggled in pass coverage. And But the two games that they'd lost and they couldn't stop them on the last series, defense played great, except for that. This was worse. This game was worse than uh, any game they played this year, including the opener at Baltimore. Yeah. I, I, as far as what the issue is, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they, there were all kinds. I, I would submit against Tampa Bay, a lot of it was – I mean, they were just super banged up. You know, they – and that was kind of the flow of that game, too. Both teams were playing really good offensively in that second half. It was just sometimes games take on a vibe, John, you know, where I think both defenses realize we're paddling upstream here. All right, I thought Joe you were going to say they can't cover the tight end. They Well, they can't. That, and, and that, too. They can't cover the tight end. They're, you're right. They can't. Henry Toa Toa only played a handful of snaps in that game, and yet I feel like he played the whole game because it looked like every time Kate Otten was catching it, Henry Toa Toa was standing near him. Toa Toa is really struggling pass protection. Yep. Um, let's see, Joe Q. Joe Q sends in a question and he says, should Texan fans be disappointed in Casario that Davis Mills and Case Keenum are still on this roster? Everyone's hope is neither takes a snap this season, yet there's a lot of teams giving snaps to players with much less experience and accomplishment than either of our backups. And he lists a few of them, Jalen Hall, Aiden O'Connell, Tyson Badgett, Tommy DeVito, Clayton Toon. And the Chargers are one awkward set, snap or sack away from Easton Stick, who has one career pass attempt. Uh, how do you feel, John, that that Nick didn't flip either of these quarterbacks at the trade deadline for something? I think that is one of the dumbest questions I've ever heard. If Justin Herbert's one one sack from being out, so is C.J. Stroud. I'm glad he hung on to him. The unsung hero, and I'm going to write a column about this, behind the scenes with C.J. Stroud's development, is Case Keenum. Yeah. Watching the game the other day when I went back and watched the, the replay, several times he was on the bench talking to him. So they they brought him in here to help coach him, be available if they needed. I wouldn't have traded Mills because if this team is competing for a wild card berth, maybe a division title, and Stroud has to go out, having Davis Mills there as a two-year starter I think would be good. I think I'd rather start Case in a have-to-have-it game, John, if you want to know the truth. You and I have had this conversation before, I think. like, if, I know Case is the emergency guy, and it would be Davis probably just based on the depth chart, but I'm not so sure if it was week 18, something happened to CJ, and they got to win this game to get into the postseason. 
I'm not so sure I don't feel better with Case Keenum playing quarterback than Davis Mills in that, in that situation. They had to win a game last year, last game of the season, to get C.J. Stroud, and Mills had a comeback victory. <laughs> and he threw a two-point conversion pass. We all thought they had to lose to make that sure game. they were going to get Stroud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. That is funny. Mr. Clutch. Uh, yeah, yeah, big time. Yeah, Mr. Clutch went and got his replacement. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's keep it moving. Uh, Ryan Fish sends this in. Given it's the midpoint of the season and all CJ has accomplished so far, I'd like you to revisit a question. See the email chain below, and I'll lay out what he emailed to us earlier in the season. He said, I sent this to you earlier in the season and see if your perspectives have changed. I was a little audacious to compare CJ Stroud to Aaron Rodgers of the past at that point in time. How do you feel now? He's got a follow-up question to that, John, but – I guess he was comparing CJ to Aaron Rodgers earlier in the year, Ryan was, and we were probably understandably going, hey, you may want to slow down on that a little bit. I'm not saying he's Aaron Rodgers or anything like that, but uh, I feel – where do you feel he is right now in the NFL, John? Like if you power well, first rank of all, 32 – yeah. Aaron Rodgers didn't play his first three years. Comparing yeah. him to Rodgers is ridiculous. Yeah. He's had one fantastic game. He yeah. was coming out three mediocre games in a row. All of a sudden, everybody thinks he's going to be MVP. Defensive coordinators adjust, and they had adjusted to him over these, let's say, three over the last four games. His ratings had gone down. Everything had gone down. And now he has the great game. They'll adjust again. Can Bobby Slowick adjust? Can he continue to put Stroud out there with no running game and continue to have those kind of games? Rodgers is first ballot Hall of Famer. Stroud doesn't even deserve to be mentioned in the same sentence with Aaron Rodgers. Um, who, John, who is your comp, just like in terms of the style of the game that CJ plays? Like who Sean Watson. When I was watching really? that game in the replay, some of the moves he made, they're built the same. And uh, everything he does reminds me of Watson. Wow. Okay. I mean, I guess physically I can kind of see that. Like similar, I'm talking about similar. the way he throws the ball. Watson runs more. But he can get away. He could run if he wanted to. Yeah. But he wants to complete passes. Mm. Uh, are you concerned that Will Anderson is becoming the next Jadeveon Clowney? In other words, not getting sacks, but being solid in the run game. After, let's see, eight games, J.J. Watt had five and a half. Whoever sent that question would be asked if we're concerned about this Watt guy that at this point of his career he didn't have many sacks. Absolutely not. Okay, well, I mean, He's one of the top guys in the league at getting pressure. Yeah. He's got to seal the deal. He gets double team most of the time. And uh, – and Clowney was never a great pass rusher. Clowney was always run stopper first, pass rusher second. That's the way that his career has been. I'm going to stick up for the people who have early concerns about Will Anderson. I agree with you, John. I think Will Anderson's going to be fine. I'm going to stick up for these people from this respect. This is where the comparison to J.J. Watt falls apart a little bit for me. They didn't trade up to get J.J. Watt. Like They didn't give up next year's first and a second the same year and another pick to move up to three and get J.J. Watt. Like, Will Anderson is coming in here with a whole lot of – pressure may not be the right word, but he, he's coming in with a lot of fanfare, and they've invested a ton to have Will Anderson on this football team. So I think people are going to be understandably maybe a little anxious until he starts routinely bringing the quarterback to the ground. I can't think it's preposterous to try to make judgments on somebody after eight games. Yeah. Content is king, though, John, just so you know. Uh, Charles Honeycutt, do you believe the national media finally views Stroud as one of the best potential superstars now? From everyone here, yesterday's performance, meaning Sunday's performance, wasn't a shock. 
but only confirmation that he is that guy. What have you thought about the national coverage of C.J. Stroud kind of as it's gone on this season, John? It's been fabulous. I've read everything, NFL.com, ESPN, Athletic, The Ringer, uh, watched on TV. He is getting coast-to-coast recognition, well-deserved. I've listened. I listened on NFL radio. They were going on about him, talking about do the Panthers have buyer remorse? Of course, they'll never admit it. But, of course, they do at this point. Bryce Young could end up in a Hall of Fame. But right now, Stroud is running away with offensive rookie of the year. And if he keeps this up, and I'm not talking about throwing for five touchdowns and 470 yards, but if he can come in, you know, 260, 270, three touchdowns sometime and the Texans are in a race, he's going to be mentioned. He's not going to win it but he's going to be mentioned about a possible MVP if this team can put together a winning record. Cause right now everything revolves around him. He has no help on the running game. And he, and before the season, we were all worried about their receivers. That was going to be their weakest group. They needed a big time playmaker who could run. And right now he's helping turn those receivers making their careers while the defense is struggling again. And uh, I'm saying right now, I bet their first-round draft choice, Cleveland's, will be a defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Seeing what the 49ers are doing, continue to stockpile defensive linemen. I agree. The fact that they're not getting a lot of interior push, yep. I bet it's a tackle. And by the way, Sean, I, I'm I'm really excited what Khalil Davis yeah. can do at tackle with more playing time. I agree. I agree. I think he's been great. I like the Hassan, I feel bad for Hassan Ridgeway. I wouldn't wish an Achilles injury on anybody, and they could certainly use – Hassan Ridgeway, but if it means Khalil Davis gets some more snaps now, hey, let's go. They got to get Sheldon Rankins back. Obviously, you know they're they're they, they're not tremendously deep really at any position, and so. But I'm I'm with you. Good. I'm glad you mentioned Khalil Davis, John. Absolutely. Um, all right, Dario sends this in. Said thanks for the shout out in the previous episode. I'm not the superstitious type, but can't help noticing that. I don't, I don't know if you noticed this, John. This is a said I can't help noticing that all four losses this year have come with the white jerseys. Coincidentally, the one they wore week 18 against the Colts that gave us the number two pick that turned into C.J. Stroud. He goes on to say, is there some sort of white jersey god that gave us C.J. Stroud that makes him lose every time he wears a white jersey? I hadn't noticed that, that uh, the Texans were uh, 0-4 in the whites this year. I remember the Battle Red game against Pittsburgh. Um, in week four, and I guess I guess they must have they must have worn blue in Jacksonville that week. The Jacksonville. I guess white? if they're if they're oh yeah. four, I'm gonna tell yeah. Cal McNair. Yes, I'm gonna text Cal and Hannah, and yep. I'm gonna say, do you know you guys are zero and four in white? Yeah, yeah. Let them know. I don't know how much say they have. You know, like who dictates the jerseys? The home team, John. I think the home team does. Okay. And if you want to do throwbacks, you got to go through the league. Gotcha. Okay. Dario says, keep up the great work. Muchas gracias. Thank you, Dario. We, we appreciate you. Uh, two know. more. Two more. <laughs> two more, John. Here we go. Uh, Chris in the ATL, another loyal listener to the podcast. Like a sales team, let's say D'Amico and the Texans were to give out a first half of the year bonus to the coach that made the most impact to the bottom line. Out of all of the coaches, and he says coordinators, assistants, anybody, who do you think deserves that bonus check the most for their work? That's Chris in the ATL. Well, it'd be Bobby Slowick because he's the play caller and he's the one that devises the game plan. He's Gerard Johnson coaches him the most, but still I would say Slowick because he has so much influence over uh, what happens on Sunday as the offensive coordinator. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's either Slowick or if you want to, if you want to make it very CJ specific, Gerard Johnson, 
Um, early in the year, I think we had a similar question, maybe like at the quarter of the season, Mark. And, and I said, Chris Strouser. I, I think too. when you and I were giving out our bi-week awards, we did that assistant coach. And I said, Strouser. Um, I'm, I would back off of that now just because they've got, you know, they've got a lot of their pieces back and it's still, the running game has still been awful. Like it's really, it, it's, it's really hard to, to give out plaudits to the offensive line right now. Even if the pass blocking has been decent, the run, the run game's just been horrendous. Um, I can go with Slowick. I can get with that. Frank Ross, the special teams have dipped a little bit this year. Uh, last two games they've dipped. Yeah. Yeah. The last couple games have been leaky. Uh, in the uh, in the return in the co- return in the coverage game for the uh, for the Texans, one got called back because of a penalty, and that certainly helped him. It helped him big time. That was one of Dari's kickoffs in the second half. That's right. Uh, all right, last one, John. And this is from Johnny. Uh, when the Manning cast is available, what percent of the Monday Night Football game do you guys spend watching Peyton and Eli's feed? I started when it when it cranked it up. I watched it and then got tired of the guest. I wanted to just Bingo. be those two going back and forth. I don't give a rat's ass about their guests, so I don't watch it at all anymore. And I hate that because I think Peyton's great, and I think it takes away from it with bringing guests. Yeah, I I think it'd be awesome if they wanted to start a podcast where they have Arnold Schwarzenegger on the podcast. I might listen to that, but to be basically doing a podcast with somebody while there's a game going on that I would rather have your opinion. Like, yeah, I don't care about Joel McHale's opinion of what's going on in a football game. You know, like I – you know, Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg's super entertaining. I don't need him there telling me what's happening on the screen. I'm John, you and I are 100% in lockstep on this, and I've been saying it since the beginning of the first year of the Manning cast, is that no more – zero guests. In fact, I read an article Peyton did an interview where I guess they – they last year they were a guest each quarter. They had four guests, and somewhere along the way they went to three – and they said they had a couple people cancel real late in the process. And so they reduced it to two. They're like, yeah, what we learned was it was actually okay just to do two. I'm like, yeah, keep going. It'd be great just to do one, one next year. Two. Yeah. And then you know what? Keep go- that, it's, it's not because you're at the optimal number. It's because there's fewer of them. Okay. So, yeah, you think, I don't get Sean, that. Hmm? They're trying to bring in guests besides football people like us who want to stick to football and they were looking for entertainment. Yes, I, I mean, I, yeah, I think they're trying to broaden the audience. I think they're, I think they're looking for viral clips to to go out there, which is how I consume the Manning cast now. When it, you know, an entertaining forty five seconds of it will show up on my Twitter feed. I, I think the other thing too, John, that the Manning cast that that's made the Manning cast a little stale or more, maybe not stale, but more of an afterthought for me, is that the first year the Manning cast, because I think this is year three of the Manning cast. Um, the first year, the regular announced team was Steve Levy, Lewis Riddick, and Brian Greasy. And that was just, that was a bad, that was a bad booth. It just, I mean, all due respect to all three of those guys that, you know, they, they all have their niche, um, in the sports broadcasting world, but it wasn't a good watch. It wasn't entertaining. Um, it wasn't informative, you know, like and you didn't feel like you were watching a big game. That's probably the biggest thing for me. Like Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. I feel like I'm, I'm I feel like this game matters because these two guys are on it. So I don't feel compelled to go watch the Manning cast. I feel like I don't need an alternative anymore. Back then I felt like, all right, I just don't like this announced team. I'll watch Peyton and Eli. They might entertain me for a few minutes. If it was just them going back and forth, giving their opinion, needling each other, which they're yes. so good at, yeah. I would spend most of my time watching that. But you're right. And I want to see now, you know, we had a dog Monday night game. We got another dog Monday night game. I know and where I you're think going. the best thing that 
Aikman and Buck can do is just tell the truth, like Aikman does. If a guy like Zach Wilson deserves to be hammered, hammer him. Tell the truth, because that's the only thing that's going to make those games watchable. Yeah, yeah. And tell the truth, but you don't have to do it like Rodney Harrison, where he's trying to goad Chris Jones into calling Zach Wilson trash. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, he's trash, though, right? Oh, no, yeah, I'm just trying to be respectful. Like, oh, no, yeah, I know, but he's trash, right? Like, that was That's embarrassing. Yeah, I don't know what that was. Unprofessional. Unprofessional.